Welcome to American Players Theater Talkbacks to Go. I'm Buzz Kemper, and I invite you to take a walk up the hill with Orange Schroeder and me as Orange talks with director-adapter Jimmy DeVita and actor Jim Ridge about APT's 2017 production of Cyrano de Bergerac by Edmond Rostand, adapted by James DeVita, whom we will refer to in this interview as Jimmy. We are here to discuss the famous uh, French play Cyrano de Bergerac with uh, Jim Ridge, who's playing Cyrano, the lead character, and Jimmy DeVita, who is both directing and has adapted this uh, play for American Players Theatre. So I wanted to start by asking Jimmy about the first time that he heard the story of Cyrano and what, what enthralled you about it. Well, actually, I first read Cyrano uh, when I was eight years old, and I, I told this story. No, I'm not any kind of a child prodigy. I, <laughs> I read it in a comic book. Um, uh, they had comic books when I was growing up called uh, Classics Illustrated, which I was a big fan of when I was a kid. And I read, you know, Tom Sawyer, Huck Finn, Count of Monte Cristo, Man in the Iron Mask, all these great, you know, stories. And Cyrano was one of them. And... Um, I think the thing that, because I've loved Cyrano, I mean, since then and through college, I was, I was enamored of it. And I think, you know, for me, it, it, rep- it kind of represents all the things I wish I was I, or I thought I would be when I was a kid. You know, man, that honorable, that faithful, that loyal, that stand up for what is right, uncompromising integrity. And I think, I speak for myself, but I think most young men and women, we dream of being that when we're kids. We want to be like that. And then life hits us and speak for myself, I know I fail at that daily, but um, I think we're attracted to stories about people who, who I was going to say live up to that and Cyrano's not faultless, it's not that he has no faults, but I believe that he stands for these virtues and he, he lives by them and when he fails, he knows it and he tries again, so, and, and I think that's really admirable and just want to be like him mm-hmm. <laughs> to be honest with you and Jim, you must have had a, a similar response when you first read the story. I, I love this quote uh, that is, as a young man, this show dented my soul and it stuck there since like a thistle. <laughs> um, can you tell us a little bit about why it, why it had such a big impact on you? Uh, very similar to what uh, Jimmy was just talking about. I saw it before I knew really what theater was. I saw a production at the Guthrie and um, yeah, it was... It was the the living example of this man with uh, here's the word panache, you know, who who strode about and strode through life with his, with certainty and with uh, sort of um, a chivalry, a code, and that he was constantly trying to live with and live up to, and that. I found that really inspiring as a young man, thinking about who do I want to be when I grow up. And you mm-hmm. mentioned that he was a man with panache, and in fact, this is the play that introduced that word mm-hmm. to the to the language. Can you tell us what that means and what it means to you? <laughs> well, so in French, uh, it means a white plume or a, a military crest of some sort like that. Um, so it's hard to really, really describe because it's a it. It lives as a metaphor. So the purpose of a metaphor is to try to 
inject some meaning into something that's inherently unexplainable. <laughs> so how do you explain the unexplainable? You come up with a metaphor, which is what the panache is. But I think it has to do with what Jimmy's been saying in, in rehearsal, um, being afraid, being tempted, being, uh, being right at the line of doing right and wrong or, uh, and, and feeling all of the things that would usually keep a human being from acting in the right way or in the brave way and doing it anyway. Um, so that the tension that lives in that of, of the easy way out and taking the courageous way, taking even if it's just a gesture, a word, a kind thing, a, a humble thing, yeah, I mean, Rostan wrote about thirty sentences on what he thought panache was, and and it's not something you can describe, but it's often in the, in the face of overwhelming odds. There's there's a certain nonchalance mm. about dealing with it. It doesn't mean that. So in fear, it's showing no fear in the face of extraordinary odds. And while while in your heart you are scared to death, but you don't show it, and you don't show people that you're not showing it. It, it sounds you very, literally don't show it. It sounds very Man of La Mancha-like. You oh, know? absolutely. See, had, <laughs> so, there's a nod to Don Quixote in the play, too. Yeah. Um, is, is, is very, very Don Quixote. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that this year we're seeing a new adaptation uh, compared to when APT did the play in 1995. Can you tell us why a new ad- adaptation and how you're approaching it? Well, um, an adaptation is a loose. I would say, you know, I worked from five public domain scripts and also a literal translation of the French. So I call it more like a compilation, and I would say I adapted maybe 20%. So, if, if you're not, so, so I'm looking at a passage. I will read five different passages from five different authors, which is public domain, which were done, done in the early, late 1800s, early 1900s. And then I would compare them, and I would pick, by my taste, the ones I thought were the best, um, poetically, for whatever reasons, any any adapter or compiler, it's my taste that's driving it. You know, um, so somebody else that would do it would do it differently. And then where I need to make make bridges or something like that, I would write my own stuff, and we stay within the poetic pentameter, mostly iambic. His was his was twelve foot mostly Rostans, but I was using ten. And then, but what what was wonderful is about then I could get the cast size down to what would be manageable for our company. So I was writing specifically for the company. I do, Jim was playing. Cyrano, I was writing it with him in mind. I also had some of the actors, other actors. So it's kind of wonderful knowing um, the, most of the cast and the resources you have. You know, just, you know, I didn't have 67 actors. You know, I know I'm only going to have 19 men and seven women do this play. The original play had 67 actors. I'm, I'm just throwing a number out <laughs> but there, a lot. but there's probably close to 60 speaking mm, really? characters. You know, so people would be doubling and tripling and. Um, um, I chose to bring it down to a more manageable size, combined a couple of roles. And uh, you can do that with public domain <coughs> uh, work, excuse me. Obviously, with something that's licensed, you can't change anything like that. Um, so I chose to work from public domain material. And the, the thing that inspired me to do is when I read the first couple of them, I was amazed at how close they were to the Burgess and or the Hooker. Of course, th- those are the two um, famous adaptations that are usually done over the last 50 years or so which are wonderful plays. Mm. You know, you can't touch some mm-hmm. of those things. They're just brilliant. Um, 
but I would say a good 60 to 70 percent was, was close, was in the world of what these other public domain adaptations, even some of the literal translations. So that gave me the courage mm. you know, to venture out there to create one for us. And it's been really kind of a joy to do. We were doing the balcony scene the other day, and uh, um, I was letting the actors just run with it. And I kept on thinking, we're doing the balcony scene from Cyrano. And I said that, remember? <laughs> I said, it just struck me, we're doing the balcony scene from Cyrano, which is one of the most famous scenes in dramatic mm. literature and history. So mm. I'm very thrilled to be doing it. That's great. And you mentioned that you were writing in, with Jim in mind uh, in this role. And obviously it's a, a famous role, often played um, with somewhat comic exaggeration in terms of, of the nose, which is uh, Cyrano's uh, burden to life mm. in, to bear in life. Mm. Can you talk about how you're going to approach that? I mean, how... how Big will your nose be? And um, <laughs> because Cyrano is actually based on a historic character whose yeah. nose mm. you wouldn't pick out of an audience as being that big. I mean, it mm. wasn't Pinocchio. How, what are you right. going to do for your prosthetic nose? <laughs> right. So, yeah, I mean, that's certainly one of the main questions when you begin the journey. And uh, Jim and I had an initial conversation, he had obviously thought about it a lot. Uh, and we threw out the window with with great abandon the the sort of Pinocchio uh, kind of profile. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, 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 there's there's certainly a lot to be said for doing as you're talking about uh, the historical Cyrano to do it with just sort of a larger kind of nose, and he makes up uh, that everyone's looking at him in a particular way. Um, but that's not the that's not the route that we're taking. So we're going for something that shows up on our stage uh, from the back row, hopefully that looks like oh mm, yeah boy that's big that'd be <laughs> that, that's a burden to carry through life. Yeah, so it, it's a large nose. It's just not what you may think, which is typical more, I think, for lack of a better word, Pinocchio-ish. Um, but I think, and correct me, I think we agree that Cyrano feels, and I think truthfully, that it's a deformity on his right. face. Right. He's lived with this thing. I think it's partly shaped who you were mm-hmm. in life. Mm-hmm. Any of us that have a deformity or um, something we feel, you know, like that. I think it actually shapes the things that we do in life. So it will, it will certainly be something that is unattractive mm-hmm. and um, would be classified as a deformity. And I think a real part of the, for me, I'm just coming to understand that um, a real the ten, part of the tension in Cyrano's life is to have this thing that it's the first thing everyone's eyes go when you meet someone it's where their eyes go so he knows that that's how the world meets him and I think along the way growing up growing, coming into manhood that he's decided that well then I'll live a beautiful life and so his the tension is in the, the outer beauty and the inner beauty and um, for me I'm just coming to realize that at that that tension is what gets resolved for him at the end of the play. And the end of the play is, of course, not what we would um, typically think of as um, a happy ending. Mm. What, mm-hmm. what do you want to say about how, how the play ends? Well, it may not be particularly happy, but uh, in, this is, again, my personal opinion. But I, he's, he's a man that ends his life true to the virtues and integrity that he held his entire life. He, he goes uncompromising. 
you know, throughout his life. And um, that's pretty glorious, I think, to say that at the end of your life, I never compromised. Now, whether I had fame or fortune or I succeeded in the, the worldly, you know, definition of success is part of what's in this play, too. But he's lived, lived a good, full life and a life of integrity, and I, I think that's admirable and kind of glorious. So, Not only glorious, but I think, and I'm just coming mm. to this. Jim and I mm. haven't even had the conversation about no. this, but, <laughs> but I think that uh, the end of the play, he fights all these ghosts, mm-hmm. the ghosts of his enemies past, hypocrisy, ignorance. Um, and I think at the end of that fight, he finally comes to a realization that he is beautiful Hmm. because he's lived a beautiful life. And I think that's, so I think it is a happy ending. I think that's how he goes out. Peace at the end? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the inspiration that we all need going forward today. Thank you both so much for bringing Cyrano live on the APT stage. Thank you. Thank you. Talkbacks to Go is a production of Orange Tree Imports and Audio for the Arts. Our theme music is Err by Steve Tibbetts, and it appears here by permission of the artist, courtesy of ECM Records. Please find us on iTunes and YouTube under APT Talkbacks to Go. With Orange Schroeder, I'm Buzz Kemper. Thank you for listening.